You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another game, another frustrated bunch of Mets as this hit-by-pitch thing continues to be a trend. Didn't help that the Mets lost the getaway day game in St. Louis 10-5, but the Mets are overheating as they keep on getting drilled. And these are not ping-pong balls falling on Captain Kangaroo. These are not pillows from a pillow fight. These are baseballs, and they hurt. We will eventually touch on that issue, of course, on today's podcast. But let us first take a leisurely head-clearing walk before we get there, a gently unfolding Mets in the morning coming up right now. Mets in the morning. Mets in the morning. Oh, yeah. Mets in the morning. Gonna tell you what the Mets are doing while coffee is brewing. Now, here's Josh Lewin. Scootily down. Deep breath. It was a loss. There was a benches clearing incident again. But still, a record of 14 and 620 games along is pretty, pretty, pretty good. Josh Lewin with you. We are going to get in the weeds a bit before running through the action of yesterday's game. I promise we will get there. But first, let's begin with some roster construction talk. Right around this time last year is what I would call the Mets' low ebb lineup of this decade so far. Leading off at third base was Jonathan VR. You had Lindor at short. Your left fielder batting third, Cameron Mabin. Dominic Smith hitting cleanup at first. Your catcher batting fifth was Tomas Nito. Wilfredo Tovar at second. You had uh, Jineshwi Vargas in center field. Khalil Lee in right. And your pitcher batting ninth was Joey Lucchese. That is not even a team you take to Bradenton to play the Pirates in spring training. But that was a team that took the field in Miami in an actual game around this time of 2021. And that, that lineup actually won the game. But what a difference a year makes. Good health, knock wood, except for DeGrom. Good defense, only five errors in the first 19 games. Amazing pitching, as we know. And an NL East that is otherwise underwater. I mean, the, the fact that a couple times Jeff McNeil has hit eighth this year Shows to go ya, as my dad used to say, depth and health are really big deals. Now, something to keep an eye on. In a move to further protect arms after the shortened spring training, Major League Baseball and the Players Association just announced that teams can still carry as many as 14 pitchers all the way through May 29. Now, the initial agreement for this year was for teams to drop to 13 pitchers starting this Monday when rosters still are getting trimmed from 28 to 26. That's still in effect. So the Mets will have to, at the very least, contemplate what to do about Robinson Cano. Uh, do you keep him around and demote Dominic Smith? A guy like Travis Jankowski traditionally would be the, the most vulnerable position player on something like this. He made the team off a minor league contract. The Mets are his fourth organization. He's not really established as a major leaguer, but the Mets have really liked him ever since he showed up at spring training. They like his eye at the plate. He's got those small ball skills. He brings defense and speed. He doesn't mind being a bench guy. That might be tougher for players like Dominic Smith or J.D. Davis. The Mets have been with 14 pitchers, not 15 already, so it's not going to be that big of a deal to get rid of one. But what do you do with a position player now? Jankowski's out of options. He can't just be sent to the minors. 
Plus, he's got more than five years service time. So the Mets would have to release him and pay him his entire 2022 salary. I know that's just walking around money for Steve Cohen. It's a one and a quarter million dollars. But, uh, you know, the, the Mets could release and then attempt to re-sign him. That's a possibility. Uh, how do they feel about maybe having to grab Khalil Lee or Nick Plummer to come up as an injury replacement, if that's ever a thing, if you don't have Jankowski? The Mets could option Luis Guillorme. That would remove their surest-handed backup shortstop and second baseman. So going to be interesting to see what they do, is my point. All right, as for Game 20 of the 2022 season, here are some of the pregame nuggets us media types were given to work with. Thought you might like this. A shout-out to the two Zachs and Ethan Wilson and all of Harold Kaufman's PR staff. Subtle change in the industry, by the way. It's not called the PR department anymore. Anywhere in sports, it's not the public relations people. It's the media relations people. Those guys relate to the media. We then relate to you. Somehow this has all gotten triangulated, but the, the key point still stands. These guys look up a bunch of stats. We decide which ones to tell you about. Jimmy Cannon once wrote, baseball isn't statistics. Baseball is DiMaggio rounding second. And I get that. I really do. There's a romanticism in baseball where stats just kind of gum it up. But uh, there are indeed a zillion different stats out there to try and explain and even predict what we're all seeing. So let me go off-roading with you for just a bit because sometimes I have someone reach out wondering about what all the new stats really mean. And I get it. I mean, even the abbreviations mess with your head because everything is relatively new. We all grew up on ERA and batting average. You probably learned in fourth grade. An ERA is a number of earned runs allowed times nine divided by innings pitched. And we all got really good at really specific fractions, right? I mean, two for seven translates to a 286 batting average. To this day, if I get a hotel room assignment and it's room 286, my mind immediately says, oh, cool, two for seven. But what about stuff like FIP? Fielding independent pitching. Well, that measures the things a pitcher controls. Homers, walks, hit by pitches, strikeouts, without wearing them down with how the defense plays behind you. Fielding ground balls, whatever. Uh, BABIP, batting average on pitches put in play. Measuring luck, but keeping in mind batters who hit the ball hard tend to always have high BABIPs. And so do speed guys, because they can beat out more grounders. UZR is ultimate zone rating. How many runs a defender prevents or allows based on his range, his ability to avoid errors, his arm, and for an infielder, his ability to turn double plays. There are metrics for all that. And the big one is war, right? Wins above replacement supposedly tells you how much better a player is than what a team would typically have to replace him and how that player contributes to a team winning overall. This one is not for the faint of heart to calculate. Offensively alone, there are 11 separate components to war. You need a degree from MIT and a slide rule to get through the math. It's like passer rating in the NFL. Just the baseballreference.com explanation page of war is 1,500 words, including a bunch of paragraphs explaining how the formula has changed over the last few years. Best way I've heard all this described is none of us are math majors or scientists. And, and since things like war are admittedly a crisscrossed mess. It's something we're forced to kind of take on faith. And the pragmatists inside of us say, well, hey, faith is fine for spirituality and religion and rain dances and, and all of that, but it's not for real life. So if you're agnostic about this, I would submit faith is how we organize a complicated world that we don't fully understand. I mean, we, we take it on faith that a doctor's injecting us with something good, not bad. We take it on faith 
that 100 tons of aluminum shaped like a tube will safely get us from LaGuardia to Cleveland. The argument is, even though we can't touch the guts of stuff like war, that it's beyond our scope to do the math on it, it's okay to just trust that the super nerds know what they're doing. So that's where I am with it. Uh, Here are some stats about the Mets for this game. And I promise I'll keep them simple. No BABIPs or wars or FIPs or UZRs, just meat and potatoes here. This is what we got waking up yesterday morning. Mets starting pitchers, first in the majors with a 2.16 ERA, their first in opponents batting average at 177, first in strikeout percentage, first, 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 despite the Dodgers being a thing and no Jacob deGrom in uniform. The Mets own a 737 win percentage this month, second highest winning percentage in team history for a March slash April, only the 1986 team at 813 winning percentage, 13 and 3, I guess that is, posted a a better mark. Since 2018, this is the one from yesterday we talked about, the Mets have been hit by 325 pitchers. That is the most in the majors. In his career, Pete Alonso has been plunked 43 times. That is their verbiage. Uh, Fourth highest total in the majors since he came in the league in 2019. Mark Canna is second in that time, 57 HBP. Starling Marte is fifth with 42. So again, the Mets have a lot of guys in their lineup that are magnets for getting hit by pitches. The Mets rank second in the majors in two-out on-base percentage and in two-out hits and runs batted in. In two-out runners in scoring position situation, they are fourth in the majors. And uh, just to editorialize what a lovely change that is from years gone by. And finally, uh, as a team, Mets DHs are hitting 286. That's fine. They've got five doubles, five homers, 15 runs batted in. They're second among all designated hitters in OBP. They're third in batting average, third in a home run. So the DH thing is working very nicely for the Mets. And here's one on starting pitcher Carlos Carrasco. It's a deep dive, but again, sometimes stats can illuminate. 36% of his changeups thrown with two strikes have resulted in a strikeout. And I say that because last year that number was 12%. He's got 10 strikeouts on his change this year. It's tied for third in the majors. Did I mention there are literally a zillion stats out there? But again, sometimes they'll tell a story. Carrasco didn't have a changeup last year. This year he does. All right, so now that you're loaded up on numbers, are you ready? Should we get to the actual game? Let's get to the actual game. Hey, it started well enough. After the Cardinals jumped ahead 1-0 in the first, the Mets jumped on old buddy Steven Matz in the second. And I mean really jumped on him with Alonzo, Escobar, and Guillaume all on base. Up came the bottom of the order, light-hitting Tomas Nito. Here's Nito, first pitch. Swinging a line drive, left center field, a base hit. Alonzo scores around third, Escobar, he comes home. Guillaume goes to third, Tomas Nito comes through against his former battery mate, Steven Matz. He drills a two-run double, and the Mets once again score with two outs. They've got a two-to-one lead here in the second. Mets catchers catching fire all of a sudden. The night before, James McCann, three hits, and now Nito coming through. Get you from Nito to Nimmo, bottom of the order to the top, double your pleasure, double your fun with extra sugar-free gum. One-two pitch. Line to left center, there's another hit. Nimmo comes through, Guillaume scores. Nito rounds third, he comes home. Nimmo's on his way to second, diving in with a two-run double. And the Mets have struck for four here in the top of the second against Steven Matz, all four runs with two outs. And it is a 4-1 to Mets lead. Smiling Brandon Nimmo, making it look like a Mets runaway. And at that point, they'd scored 
12 of the last 13 runs in this series. Matt's with a bit of a meltdown, something we saw every so often in his days as a Met. But soon after that, Carlos Carrasco's sand was down to the bottom of the hourglass. He just didn't have it yesterday. Nolan Arenado, a two-run single in the bottom of the third to cut it to four to three. Arenado with the vengeful flames of a thousand suns atoning for that big throwing error in game one of the series. And in the fourth, the Cardinals really went to town. A double, a triple, a Carrasco wild pitch, all kinds of nonsense. And suddenly, St. Louis led this thing eight to four with a five-run inning. Carrasco departing, having allowed more base runners than outs achieved. The Mets had some chances to close the gap, but a couple base running backfires, both Mark Canna and Luis Guillorme thrown out, trying to take an extra base. From there, Arenado with more damage. He doubled home Tyler O'Neill in the sixth, that off Sean Reed Foley. But then the Mets able to answer. Lindor doubling in Marte to snap an 0 for 15, but uh, that just cut it to 9 to 5 right before the seventh, uh, seventh inning stretch. And that Here Comes the King Budweiser song that used to feature the actual Clydesdales prancing and pooping on the warning track. Paul Goldschmidt made it 10-5 St. Louis with an RBI single in the bottom of the seventh inning. Tommy Edmonds scoring the run, his third of the game. And now, uh, what you've been waiting for. After all the discussion about the HBPs and the hard-to-control baseballs the day before, poor J.D. Davis got one in the ankle on his birthday, no less, and had to leave the game. The Mets had reached out to Major League Baseball saying basically, hey, uh, the average number of HBPs per team right now is eight. How come we're at 18? And now it's 19 with Davis. If you missed this, here was Chris Bassett after the Tuesday game making comments that definitely got some attention. Yeah, um, it's, it's extremely annoying to see your teammates constantly get hit. And if we get hit by certain pitches, it's, it is what it is. But to get hit in the head, the, the amount that we're getting hit is it's unbelievable. Um, I had some close calls tonight. Um, which I've been hit in the face. I don't ever want to do that to anybody ever. But uh, the MLB has a very big problem with the baseballs. I mean, they're bad. Everyone knows it. Every pitcher in the league knows it. They're bad. They don't care. The MLB doesn't give a damn about it. They don't care. Um, we've told them our problems with them. They don't care. What are the problems with them? What's different about them? They're all different. The, the first inning, they're, they're, they're decent. The third inning, they're bad. The fourth inning, they're okay. The fifth inning, they're bad. Um, then we have different climates. Every, everything's, everything's different. There's no, no, there's no common ground with the balls. There's nothing. Nothing the same. Outing to outing, they're bad. So with the Mets officially reaching out to MLB, midday yesterday, an MLB spokesperson said, we are aware, we will monitor... But for the record, hit-by-pitch rates and wild-pitch rates are down this year, but we thank you for bringing this to our attention. But yeah, then Davis got hit, and in response, newly added Met Yoan Lopez opened the bottom of the eighth, throwing hard at Nolan Arenado, who had already had a big day, was right up near his head, and Arenado didn't like it, and the bench was emptied for the second time in two days. One more series between these teams in the regular season, in New York, May 16 through 19, four games scheduled to revisit all this, and the MLB offices may want to be making another statement around that time. 10 to 5 St. Louis, the Wednesday final. Just perusing the box score. Escobar, a couple of hits, including another double. Canna had a couple of hits, as did Nito. The Mets just couldn't get enough, though, because the Cardinals, with 10, were large and in charge.
After it was over, here is what Buck Showalter had to say. Had it gotten to the point where you guys felt the message had to be sent? No. No, we uh, we had a good road trip, and you know, quite frankly, I think we're all t- tired of talking about it. We understand it's no it's newsworthy, and you know, the team had an, uh, another good road trip, and uh, we're in a you know we're playing well. Just ran into uh, you know some things today that we couldn't overcome, so we're looking forward to getting in front of some friendly fans, and uh, I think we played 13 or 14 of the last 13 or 14 days. So guys, have got a well-deserved off day at home. Those are always special. You were clear before the game that you didn't want your guys retaliating. Were you disappointed was, that Lopez came up and in? I don't remember saying that, but that certainly goes, said, goes without saying. You go said, ahead. What was the question? You said before the game that there's a motive or a desire sometimes that guys want to do it back, but then right. he gets hit and right. it's no good and it's not worth it. Were you disappointed that Lopez came up and in on Arenado? No, you would be putting words in my mouth that it was intentional, which it wasn't. What else? You think Arenado was out of line there? No. I'll let them handle their players. I know our player got hit in the head and went to first base. In a general sense, then, are you satisfied with the way that your club handled its side of things? Yeah. Yeah. And I think umpires felt that way, too, with their two ejections. But uh, the base running there in that one inning... yeah, you know, I, I, I think uh, there's, you could make a case for Canna being safe that they may not. I don't know. It's just been too, we're biased. Uh, made, they made two really good defensive plays. I'm not so sure that uh, I know what it looks like after the fact. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things. It's like a 30-foot jump shot. If you make it, it's a good shot. But uh, it didn't work out, and I think it was more them doing real well, uh, making two really good throws as opposed to, our guys, you know, with that type of lead, you always want to try to be safe. But I'm not going to take that aggressiveness against them. But you're trying to be smart when you do it. What was the difference that you saw with Carrasco today? Uh, you know what? I'm going to have to look at it a little bit. I was thinking about that during the game. You know, he went through some periods where he was pretty crisp and made some good pitches. I think sometimes it's so hard to sweep a team on the road, especially somebody as good as the Cardinals. And I think sometimes it's just, you know, timing sometime on his part that uh, it was just a matter of time for they broke out a little bit and um, Carlos has been throwing the ball well he's healthy and he feels good and tonight today was one of those you just kind of put behind you and move on to the next one you guys are obviously off to a great start uh, to what extent if at all do you worry about some of this extracurricular stuff kind of taking over this part of the game you guys have been dealing with stuff like this a lot t- tougher than this it's part of it and do what you got to do and uh, stay together, support each other, and move on to the next challenge. I'm sure Philly doesn't care about any of that. Uh, they're playing well right now. We're going to be ready to go. Hopefully, the guys can get away from it for a day and take a breath. We've had a lot to ask of them here for, for a couple of weeks, so I hope they can get away from it tomorrow. They might, might get it above 40 or 50 degrees. I think it was in the 60s. Yeah. I actually turn the the uh, gas heaters off in the dugout. Those are always great for your inhaling. Good. I uh, got to see uh, Lopez today, and uh, anyway, our, our bullpen's in a good place now uh, with the off day going into the Philly series. So we want to get Shreve back out there because I didn't want him to be. He would have been down six days, 
and we got Joelle some uh, some work down. You know, so should be good. Looking forward to seeing Ty come back and join us. All right, that's the manager. A final thought in just a moment. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Uh, tomorrow, a full preview of the Phillies series, which indeed begins with a Friday night Tyler McGill game at City Field. The Phillies in for three. The Braves will be in for five since there's a doubleheader on Tuesday. Atlanta, of course, the defending world champions, but off to a rough start. They just put last year's postseason tornado Eddie Rosario on the IL. He's three for 44 this year, and he's got eye issues. And here's some Mets luck. I mean, good Mets luck. Acuna is indeed due back very soon for them, but just after these five games coming up with the Mets. Uh, Sometimes things just kind of go your way. Anyway, eight games packed into seven days starting up tonight and we're looking forward to having big crowds at that beautiful ballpark in queens for now we thank you for listening and as always we thank our hard-working mets in the morning house band none of them statistically competent but that's okay because listen to the music they're playing on keyboards ellis valentine slapping to bass bartolome fortunato the horn section that's kelly johnson and on drums kevin elster This is Josh Lewin. Appreciate you tuning in. Let's go Mets. Talk to you soon.